I want to do something and I said I would do it with you live. So I'm going to do it right now. Um, sure. There is a phone number that you are able to call. And if you call it, you get a very special message. Put it towards your mic. Hey, Canada. It's me, Venom. <laughs> Eddie isn't here right now. Listen closely because I have something very important to tell you. Carnage <laughs> is being released into your living room, and so am I. So grab a lot of chocolate and meat and watch Venom. Let there be carnage. Available now on Blu-ray and at any digital retailer. Okay, this is making me hungry. Have a <laughs> nice life. <laughs> so if you call, if you call one eight three three, eat yeah. them, you will get a message from Venom. I thought that was so cool. And uh, I wanted to do that. So. <laughs> My kingdom for a phone message that's Bane and Venom arguing over yeah. a piece of pizza or something. Right? <laughs> that, would be that would be amazing. Hey everybody, I'm Jason Rockman and welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour. This is episode 10. We're so excited that you've been with us for these last 10 episodes and uh, we are heading right into the holidays and this is a wonderful time of year. Um, just to be walking around, everybody's starting to feel a bit of that Christmas cheer. So uh, I'm excited about today's episode because this guy um, is, you know, when you're talking about the, the Mount Rushmore of comic book creators, he's definitely up there. And, uh, and that's a tall order because there's some incredible comic book creators, but this guy relatively known as a somewhat modern creator, but has cemented his face and his place on the Mount Rushmore of comic book creators. And of course that is Todd McFarlane and who better to talk about Todd McFarlane with than my co-host Ryan stick, Ryan, I know by that smile on your face that you are very excited about this week's episode. Am I wrong? Usually I smile while I'm nervous, but this is a good <laughs> smile. <laughs> um, no, of course I, I, of course I am. When I first heard, I mean, like, and we've been very fortunate to have some of the a most amazing guests in the music biz, but yeah. this is like our first comic book artist and what a first comic book artist right? to feature on the show. Like this, like Todd McFarlane was the coolest of cool when I was growing up, Spawn, Image Comics, you name it. Yeah. And what he did to the toy industry and the quality that he brought, you, you discuss it in the interview coming up and it's absolutely awesome. In fact, I was watching your interview with him like a fan yeah. and enjoy every minute of well, it. Well, yeah. you know, this is the thing, right? And 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 you'll mm. say it as much as I will. Todd McFarlane's one of these guys that to me he's a bit mysterious because A, I've never met him. I've never talked to him. And B, um, he's got such a crazy story. And unfortunately, you know, I, I wish I would have had a little bit more time time to marinate in that conversation and chat with him, but I think we got a pretty good we we got a pretty good 13 or 11 whatever minutes we got with him but it was it was it was 16 it was 16 okay so it was a bit better than i thought oh, yeah. but i yeah. was i could have sat there and talked to him all day man there were so many things i wanted to talk to him about and as we're chatting i just kept thinking oh wait i haven't even touched image comics oh wait a minute 
I haven't even talked to him about his run on Batman. Oh, wait a minute. I haven't talked to him about the kiss action figures. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't talk to him about him being part owner of the Edmonton Oilers. Like there's so many things I wanted to talk to him about, but let's face it. You know, a guy like Todd McFarlane, his time is valuable. There's a lot of people that want a piece of it and we were lucky to get him at all. So, um, I'm super stoked about it. And you know, what's rad is that this was all, uh, around the, uh, the Blu-ray release and the 4k Blu-ray mm. release of Venom, um, let there be carnage. And, uh, you know, uh, that's in, in terms of superhero films, the Venom's films, whether you like them or not, have made a lot of money for Sony and they've been extremely successful. I mean, they've got their own fan base and, um, they're, you know, they, they're really well received. These aren't flops. These movies do really, really well. And there's a reason why there's there, you know, they, they did a second one. There's a third one on the way. Uh, there's rumors of Eddie Brock, um, coming into other universes right now that make movies. So there's all these, these things that are going around. So it's a fun time to be a Venom fan. And it's a fun time to talk, talk, talk to Todd McFarlane because he's the co-creator. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Venom in a comic book, Ryan, and it was just like, what is this? I mean, it was just crazy. I got, I got to give a shout out to like one of the first friends I ever had, this guy named Phil Germain, whose birthday just happened. And birthday, he, had a com- <laughs> he, he had a comic book of, of Carnage becoming Carnage. And it was just mm. on, his, on his table. I remember reading that issue being like, oh, a comic book, not the comic book, not, hey yeah. guys, this is going to be the comic book that everyone's going to talk about for 30 years. It was just, here's a comic book under some milk, <laughs> you know, just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I remember reading it, and it really stuck with me. And then later on, realizing the importance and then growing up and realizing comic book value and slowly coming to the horrible realization that that book, like a young Indiana Jones mentions in the third movie, belonged in a museum. Yeah. And, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, he, he has a way, he, he had a way of, of bringing these, I mean, and this is a character that he helped co-create, but he had a way of drawing characters and made them his own. I mean, he, his, he made Spider-Man his own and these are iconic characters and he made Batman his own. Um, he's, he was, he's a pretty special illustrator, you know? And then of course, Spawn, I mean, who creates a comic book hero and it becomes iconic in this day and age? I mean, think of it, Ryan, how many people mm. take a stab at that as creators? And, and how many of them and stick, landed? And I was yeah. going to say, how many yeah. of them stick to landing? Right. Think mm-hmm. of all the creators, like even you know, and, and I know the image guys; they did some great characters. But how many of them stayed? Like, as much as I love Savage Dragon, I don't know if Savage Dragon is in the you know is in the popular subconscious of everyone. Spawn now, is now. Spawn was like, you know, this isn't your daddy's comic book. It yeah. just screamed like n- cool in the night, and that comic book could get so dark. But at the same time, it was so cool. It's about revenge, redemption. Yep. It's you know, yep. there a lot went into it. And uh, I gotta say, and you and I are both big fans of Keith David, and yeah, the voice acting Keith David brought into Spawn. I mean, we're talking like Spawn could have talked like anything. He could have talked with slang. He could have talked like a demon. No, he had a deep voice that sounds like it's been lived in and went through hell. Yeah. And as a result, that that animated series, which sounds so good. It's so good. It doesn't even deserve the term animated series. It's just, you know, that masterpiece that was drawn. Yeah, it was it was really, really good. And it's still it's still something, you know, that I'm that I, I I 
fondly look back on and 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 from time to time revisit because it's that good. And it was HBO, right? So HBO at the time were swinging for the fences with everything, and they were they were knocking them out of the park. So the fact that HBO takes a stab at an animated show and it's Spawn, I mean, like wow. So I I remember yeah. buying the first issue of Spawn when it came out. I remember when McFarlane came on the scene with Batman, when he came on the scene with, you know, when he was started doing Spider-Man, like I remember all this because I was an avid collector at the time. And now when you look back on all those books, how much they've gone up in value and, and it's just, it's crazy, but it doesn't surprise me because he's that good. And his stuff with the toys, that's like a whole other level, man. And we got to, t we got to chat a little bit about that, but I remember when those kiss action figures came out, it was such a, it was such a celebration. Those first ones, man, I remember getting them. I remember, uh, it was such a bitch to get them because everybody wanted them and it was, it was crazy. And then he just went on a tear, you know, he did the kiss stuff. He did all the, he did the movie maniac stuff, all the horror stuff. I remember getting all the Austin powers figures and McFarlane was like the gold standard and still is, you know, I just got some Dune action figures for the new movie. They're McFarlane. The sculpts are incredible. They look like the characters and there's a reason why the guy, when he puts his name on something, you know, it's quality. A stamp of approval. Yeah. Kind of the anti-crusty, the clown. Yeah. <laughs> that will just put his name <laughs> on anything. Um, my, my friend, Big Dave, he, he has worshipped Spawn his whole life. He has a Spawn tattoo. Yeah. I've never missed what the, the consistency and quality of what Spawn is because I've been like best friends with him for like 20 something years. Yeah. And he keeps buying all the new, you know, he buys the new books. He's never stopped buying the action figures. Like I bought, it's never, mm. it's never not been in my subconscious that when it comes to Todd McFarlane spawn, there's a level that they've always been at and maintained. And for something that's not a Batman, Superman, Spider-Man or these household names, it's kind of amazing that the new kids on the block back in the nineties, yeah. not Joey McIntyre and the gang, but uh, the image comics boys <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, made that much of an imprint pun intended. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely awesome, man. I can't believe he's on the show. This is so good. I know it's yeah. nuts. And, and the yeah. thing is too, right? Like he did, you know, he started his own comic book company. Not many people do that successfully. I mean, Stan Lee tried to st start, I think it was a now comics or pow mm. comics. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never read any Powell comics. Yes, he was involved with Marvel and he was the guy, but you know, mm. I'm saying when you try to break away from the big two, it's not easy. And they no. were the first guys that really like, really did it. And like, you know, <sighs> this is a pen, right? This pen in my hand and this pen in Todd McFarlane's hand will do two different things, but it's the same fucking pen. So that's yes. the thing is that it's the talent that, you know, you and I have, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're big fans of comic books and we're big fans of artists. Like I've watched Mike Ruth draw yeah, for two, three hours, you know, live and checked in on him to see where the, pro I like, if you gave me a blank piece of paper and tried, asked me to do the best I could and you gave one of these guys, you know, but then ask one of these guys to do something that we can do. Like, it's just, that's the beautiful thing about humans that we all have different skills that are commendable, but it's man, I, he's, he, you know, you put a pen in that guy's hand and it's just crazy what he can create. And he's just one of these guys that's he's, he's got a vision. 
I know, but but he also has a left and right uh, side brain thing where he's not just this amazing artist that no, will be good businessman drawing on the street, but yeah. not take initiative to actually do something with his career. Yeah, he is like the CEO of his own company and had the business sense to actually elevate himself to this level and not just be a good Marvel comics artist that yeah. you know nodded his head and you know. Took his licks when he had to. It's like no, he took he he had more ambition than that, and it wasn't just enough to be an artist. And then he became a toy creator and all those other things. Like imagine if he was just content with, yeah, I draw good. Why don't we go right to this now because we've talked enough, and I am excited for people to hear this. This is my conversation with Todd McFarlane. Hi. You doing big bad rockman how are you man this is draw man just <laughs> <laughs> a man's club <laughs> nice to nice to be talking to you it's funny because a lot of people don't uh, i work in radio and i yeah. used to be in a band for years i was in a rock band called slaves on dope oh. and um and people thought it was a fake name but you know like every other you know russian immigrant that came over my grandfather came over and sounded like rockman so that's the name they gave him yeah yeah um, so listen, I'm really happy to be chatting with you today, man. Um, there's, I I'm 50 years old, so I'm right in the wheelhouse of a guy who got into Todd McFarlane at the right time. You know, oh my gosh. I, I'm OG. So I remember when you first got on Spider-Man, I remember going to the comic book store, um, getting those Spider-Mans and you just turned the comic book world on their heads with all that stuff, man. Like nobody was drawing like you. Yeah. Well, uh, like, like you and, and music and, and, anything else that you've done in your career at some point you got to figure a bit of a way to stand out right because uh, you know you're in a sea of other talented people yeah so for me i i mean i i knew how they had been drawn them i i was enamored with it i i bowed to it and i i understood it but i i also felt that i drew it the exact same way that it would i would just be a poor man's version of what had come before and and i was you know, maybe my ego at that point was just trying to say, hey, you're going to have to, one, try and figure out if you can stand out. And two, you're in a room by yourself for 12 hours a day. How do you entertain yourself, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think people understand how lonely being a novelist is or being an artist is at times. You're, you're yeah. locked away with you and your thoughts. That's your company. Yeah. And and part of part of that sort of task is, you you you've got to literally entertain yourself. So I went, man, wouldn't it be cool if Spider-Man did this and this and this and this. And I wasn't really thinking about breaking their icon. I was just trying to get through the deadlines and um, add to that that when I came on the book, Spider-Man had fallen out of the top twenty in sales, and yeah. they basically had said, hey, you know, the, I was with a writer named David, uh, and and they said, hey, can you and David just do some things and try and prop up the sales. And so I took that literally of going, Oh, they want me to try some stuff. Here we go. Cool. And it's uh it's interesting because you know, every once in a while, someone will get on a book like that when it's kind of falling off and do some stuff that just knocks people on their butt. Um, yeah. I, you know, I saw it with Ivan Rice when he got on action comics, like he just, he was doing stuff that was just like, wow, you know, and, and it's always exciting for real comic book fans when that happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, in my day, that was, that was Frank Miller on daredevil. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was a book that yeah. was, I mean, that was bi-monthly it means it wasn't even worthy of being a monthly comic book. 
Yeah. And then you basically took it to the top of the chart. Yep. Same thing with Burn. You know, when Burn got an X-Men, it was the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously now, uh, now's the time for all of us nerds because everybody's talking about this stuff. Like, you know, everybody yeah. and their mother's got a Spider-Man or a Venom shirt. So yeah. I love it because it's, to me, it's the proof is in the pudding. You know, these you guys were always ahead of the curve. You know, I've always said, if you want great stories in Hollywood, go to the comic books because the stories have always been there. And now they're just mining them. You know, they're just mining them. And, and it's and it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. You know, Jason, it was funny when I was younger and uh, I started collecting when I was about 16 comic books. And it was if people found out you collected comic books, you were sort of arrested development. Right. They yeah. Had yeah. This yeah. Mindset. <laughs> but, but what always struck me even back then was they'd go, oh, you you collect comic book fantasy oh my gosh what's wrong with you yeah well, yeah yeah okay whatever like well what are you what are you guys doing this weekend and they're like oh we're going to star wars and then we're going to go to battlestar galactica and then we're going to go to the convention over there with the indiana jones and then we're going to go see james bond or whatever i'm making up yeah. but it was it, it was always struck me as odd it's like oh i see you can have your fantasy Right. Right. And but but if it doesn't fall into the bucket that you that you've made, then then all other fantasy is ill ill gotten, if you will. But, you know, once the movies began to come, then I I noticed it really at the convention because the stereotype of, you know, sort of the Trekkie fan that you yeah. know, we all were taught when we were young was kind of true. Um there were there was that there was a big component of that um and but i i i saw as the movies came out that all of a sudden the makeup if you will of who was coming to the conventions was way more of what was just walking up and down streets right? yeah yeah male female you know five-year-olds and 65-year-olds it was this wide spectrum and and as the years went by especially now you know, everybody's a geek at, uh, yeah. on some level, right? And, and now if the geek, and now the geek just extends into things like The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and those types of shows, but it's all, it's all fantasy fun. So. Yeah, I'm a spokesperson for a bunch of comic cons in Montreal. I, oh, okay. I, I, in Canada, I should say Montreal, Ottawa, Quebec, Winnipeg. Um, and I always tell that, you know, when I, when I, when I go into traditional media and, and we talk and they're like, so why do people, why should people come to comic con? I'm like, it's a celebration of pop culture. You're going to walk yeah. into that event and you're going to find one thing that you're a geek about. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Um, yeah. Everybody, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I'd say everybody should go to San Diego Comic-Con at least one. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because there surely has to be something in there that either appeals to you or reminds you of your youth, right? Depending on what your age is that you go, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So uh, yeah, just pop culture. Um, it's funny. I took my son for his 13th birthday to San Diego. Um, oh. and uh, I said, well, you're not gonna have a bar mitzvah. So you're going, here's your geek bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Um, listen, the uh, toys are important. Uh, you know, like you, you're touching on everybody. I mean, these are, these are beautiful. Uh, the Dune toys are amazing. Um, tell me a bit about action figures and how important action figures were to you because you changed the way toys were done. I mean, toys were never, never looked as good as they did before you came on the scene. Yeah, well, look, I'll, I'll, um, I'll give away my secret to everybody. I, I haven't invented or done anything wholly original, right? Nobody works and in, in, in lives in a vacuum. So everything you do is just 
components of stuff that you've seen. What what I've been able to do that, you know, luckily worked is just take what already exists and just make it cooler. I mean, I, I it's interesting sometimes when I talk to big public companies and big executives and people at Fortune 500 companies, they they forget they forget that word. Number one, they forget the word cool. And, and the one they forget the most, they forget they were 10 years old at one time. Yeah. So they come up with all this data and I'm in these rooms and they've got all this spread. And I just go, no, I'm not going to make that figure. And they're like, why? But this figure is going to be in the movie. And it's like, because it doesn't look good. Right. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take, I'll take that character over there. It's like, wow, they're only going to be on screen for two minutes. I go, I don't care. They're going to look good in the package from a toy perspective. They're going to look good in the package, right? And, and uh, oh, by the way, remember when you were 10? Did you care if they were the one that spent the most time on, on the cartoon or was it just the coolest one in the cartoon, right? Come on, yeah. you guys, are, you guys are, are forgetting your youth in which cool is just a thing. So for me, I didn't, I didn't want to start a toy company. I mean, I, like I, was, a, I was an artist. Uh, but people wanted to make toys of my character Spawn. And yeah. I, I couldn't find, I thought, the right company that had the right mindset, which was, to me, make non-traditional toys and sell them in non-traditional places. Simple. Right. Um, but, you know, they, they're billion-dollar companies. They have their way of doing things. Okay, I get it. And, and so I just said, I'll go and do it myself. And all, all I did was just, I, I was a little bit, as an artist, appalled at the quality that was out in the marketplace. And so I ratcheted it up five, 10% at the beginning. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, look what Todd and his company are doing. And I mean, when I look at our, our first wave of toys, to me, they're laughable. And, and, <laughs> and, and I was winning awards for how great they were. Yeah. Um, we, soon, we soon figured out how to ratchet it up about a thousandfold. Uh, but it was, I don't know, it's, it's Jason, <laughs> Jason, it's weird that people sort of are complimentary about uh some of the things that we did especially early uh yeah. with, with our with our toys like man how do you make them cool how do you make them cool and at that time you know we weren't doing them digital we were doing it you know old-fashioned way you yeah. get you get clay and you carve clay until you're done and and it's weird that they're going how how do you do it and say like, they had clay too right yeah. they've had yeah. clay since the dawn of man right what are you talking about the problem isn't i don't have special clay it's why didn't they basically make stuff look better i don't know go ask them right god bless it for them being you know average artists and or <laughs> yeah. cutting corners although I, i'll have to tell you jason that once i got full blown into being a ceo and running my company i soon discovered really what the answer was and and it was that they come up with their bottom line first yeah and then yeah. and then they figure out hey we want to make a million dollars how do we make a million dollars oh we got to sell a hundred thousand toys oh okay well how what are we going to sell for and what's the profit and they go all the way down and then very at the very end they go oh so we've got 44 cents to make the toy yeah and then they go down into their dungeon and that's where all the artists are and they throw the door open and they go, you got 44 cents, make a toy, right? And they yeah. just throw it. And, and the last thing in the concept is the art. I took that model and I flipped it. And I went, hey, if I just make the best art, I'll worry about the price later. Yeah. And, and, then, and then we'll just sit back and see what we can do. And I had no choice because I didn't have any of the big brands. 
right? They had Superman and Batman and Spider-Man and Star Wars and anything else we could think of. I didn't. So there's only one way I'm going to be able to compete with literally 8,000 pound gorillas, not 800, was I just had to make a better mousetrap. The product just had to be better. That was it. That was all I had. And I go, someday I'm going to be able to put a brand on this that people know about and you watch it, right? So like they're not selling a ton of Spider-Man and Star Wars and Batman toys because they do it better. They're selling a ton of them because they have those brands. Yeah, exactly. I, I, mean, exactly. I, I, I told them, I go, give me those brands. I'll sell it. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we got the DC multiverse and we're crushing it, right? Yeah, Why? yeah. Because I'm gr- great. No, because our company does a good job. I think we do. But because we got Batman, like <laughs> yeah. Superman, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. My mom could sell that. <laughs> uh, speaking of, um, you know, of stuff that, that sells, uh, you know, Venom, it, it's so popular. It's so popular. Both films have just absolutely crushed it. Um, and there's a great component in the films, which I find uh, really add, and it's the music. Um, the music in the films are great. Um, I don't know if you know of Zarface. The Zarface guys are. Oh, uh, look at that. Yeah. I mean, this cool. is, you know, this is a, an artist named Lamour Supreme who did this, but they've got two songs in the movie and they're phenomenal. And there's a guy rapping on here named Face Puller, um, who a lot of people are saying it might be, it might be Tom Hardy himself rapping on there. So I just think wow. you should check that out if you don't know. Um, but uh, le- Tom Hardy is so, so good as Eddie Brock. I mean, he just, he, I, I just find. He just adds so much to that character and being able to play both, you know, both the Jekyll and Hyde's inside of them. What was it like for you when you first saw that? The first time I saw Venom on screen was uh, uh, the Spider-Man 3 movie, right? Yeah, of course, of course. uh, I think it was Topher Grace and he was, you know, A, the bad guy. Yeah. And I thought physically they made him a little smaller than what I had in my mind and the way I literally initially, you know, created his design. Um, so when I saw the updated trailer for Venom One, I went, Oh my god, you know, now they're gonna make him big, right? Yeah. At, least, at least they're gonna do the physicality part of him. Uh and and then and then even with like in the second one with Carnage, uh they you know, there's a different body type there, which I think you have to be aware of when you start putting multiple characters next to each other. It's why the Avengers works, they they all got different silhouettes. Uh, but Tom Hardy's really invested in it, right? And, yeah. and part of it is too is he, he's got kids and he's trying to entertain his kids. He wants to be that cool dad, right? Yeah. So yeah. like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Venom. It's gonna be super awesome. Maybe he'll do it for a long time. Um, and so you're you're seeing that either a lot of actors are doing it because they know it's either good for their career, they're a geek, or a lot of times it's like my kids want me to do it, right? And, and <laughs> yeah. They go out there and they're having a good time with it. And I think he probably didn't know who or what Venom was. And, you know, the kids maybe sort of, dad, you should do this. Cool. Uh, and, but then he got completely invested in it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Every time you hear an interview about him, he's like, I can do this for a long time. I'm having fun. So. I think uh, that's the key to it is the passion and the investment. And I think he has it in the role and I think you have it in what you do. So I want to thank you again for taking the time to chat today, man, fellow Canadian. Um, you know, it just makes me proud that you're, that you're still doing what you do with the passion that you have. And, uh, it gives me a lot of, um, gives me a lot of hope for a lot of people if they could just follow that, because that's what, at the end of the day, you got to be passionate about what you do and you are. Yeah. Jason, one of the big moments in my life when I was about 16 was seeing, John Byrne, who was an artist at Marvel Comics and at the time was doing what I 
thought was the best comic book yeah. at, at, in, in the industry. And it was a top seller. Uh, and finding out that he lived in Calgary where I lived. Yeah. That it, it, and and it, was, it was really a moment because at that point, I think there are times where sometimes we sort of push ourselves back as Canadians and think we can't sort of make it big yeah. in America or something. And I went, what? John Byrne can draw for Marvel and from Calgary. Then why can't I? Right. And so right. It, was, it, it gave me that sort of whether it was delusion or inspiration. Sometimes there's a fine line uh, it, that I went cool. So if, if there's any young people out there, you know, that are hearing my voice, I'm, I'm, I'm a good Canadian kid. And I was able to sort of make it. So there's, there are opportunities or plenty of opportunities. If you've got the skill set, don't hold yourself back. Thanks for taking the time today, man. I really appreciate it. They're telling me okay. it's time to wrap. So be good, Jason. Hey, you too, man. All the best. All right. Bye. It's a real pleasure just to have him on the program, be able to watch yeah. it, edit it, all that kind of stuff. Because it's like, you know, two other generations that were admiring, you know, Neil Adams as he was really coming into his own. It's, you know, it was all kind of in the hindsight for me, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm looking back and I'm like, oh, that that's great. And he's maintaining. It's a little different when you're kind of just in my lifetime seeing people really come into their own and, yeah. you know, being of that age in the early 90s and seeing seeing Todd become this powerhouse and just getting echoes of even as a younger kid that image comics was like yeah. taking over the world oh yeah yeah, yeah, really yeah. Cool. yeah and you know i all i kept thinking of when i was talking to him and what i thought mm -hmm. of a lot after we we chatted was he probably at one point had somebody at marvel going you are fucking done in this industry you are oh, fucked yeah. you are fucked you'll never work again your comic company's gonna fucking fail you should never have done that and you know what dude i don't think there's one comic book creator that's more successful than Todd McFarlane mm. in so mm. many different areas. Well, the, because he never went back. Like, no. like J Jim Lee's a god and Wildstorm's amazing, but yeah. essentially he's running DC now. So right. we, you know, oh, oh yeah. And, and, yeah. Exactly. And Todd mm. will never go back. He doesn't need to go back. And I think yeah. every once in a while he might draw a cover here and there, and that's fine. That's cool. Um, but listen, man, I love the fact that that guy marches to his the beat of his own drum. He's a true, true pioneer when it comes to so many levels of comic book business. I mean, notoriously, comic book creators were fucked from the beginning. And guys like Neil Adams fought for comic book creator rights. Yeah. And yeah. Todd has comic book creator rights, you know? And mm -hmm. he, I just, I just, I just, listen, I loved him before and I love him even more after chatting with him because he was just rad, dude. He was really, especially rad. me, man. Like, the, like, look, we've been kissing his ass for like 15 minutes. <laughs> before you showed the interview yeah, yeah. and he's just kind of humble even in the way he says the first batch of toys we did sucked. i was getting all this praise for but he thinks they, they sucked. sucked yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know it's really nice man i said mm. you know when, I, when we talk i said it's just nice to talk to a fellow canadian and when he told that story about john Byrne, man i'm like yeah. i was tearing up inside because john burns my favorite like there's neil and there's john you know and yeah. don't get me wrong i love todd mcfarland I think mm. he's incredible. He's not one of my favorite artists like Neil and John, but Todd's up there. But John Byrne is like my, John Byrne is like my fucking favorite, favorite, you know, like Neil's yeah. my, my favorite, but John's like the second, easily the second. And yeah, I, you know, when he was talking about John Byrne, giving him the inspiration, you know, he was working on X-Men 
And he was, he found out he was from Calgary and it made him realize that, Hey, I can draw from Marvel comics and not necessarily be from New York. I love that. I mean, as a Canadian, just as a Canadian, it's like, wow, that's so cool. So yeah, I was, um, well, you should give yourself a little bit of credit too, though, man. I was talking to, uh, I know this dude, uh, Jack, and he played in a band called five line legacy. Yeah. When I met him, the way he talked about slaves on dope was something very similar. He's like, oh yeah, my friend's band, they're in the States right now on tour and all that stuff. And they're signed to Sharon and Ozzy's label. And it's just, you know, I think what you guys did in the scene is kind of similar to what you were just telling me about Todd and John Byrne, where it's just like, oh crap, there's this metal band from Canada getting to do some awesome stuff that's yeah. from Montreal getting to do some awesome stuff. So well, give yourself a little pat on the back yeah, there. I mean, back there, man. It, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. listen, I'm not, I, I, well, the, I will for you. That's why. <laughs> thank I'm, you. Yeah. At the end of the yeah. day though, really, man, we have so much talent in this country. And when you look at it, you know, obviously everyone points to Ryan Reynolds and, and, you know, I mean, the guy's an international star, but on the music. Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I mean. There has to be the worst Ryan and that is me, but you know, it helps the other guys out. But but I'm here for you. (laughs) The thing is, man, there's a lot of talent here. And I think the reason why Canadians, I know the experience of moving to the U.S. I think the reason why Canadians are so well received is because usually we're, you know, we're fairly polite. We're fairly nice. We're, we're usually pretty accommodating or hard workers. So, um, but man, let me, let me just tell you, being able to pull this out in front of Todd was such a big deal for me right? <laughs> yeah. because not only I love Lamour. Okay. Like Lamour is a great cover. Lamour Supreme awesome. is a great artist. He's the guy who conceptualizes our face and he's an amazing artist. Like he's a great artist. I'm still trying to make an original piece of his, um, in my collection at one point, I'm trying to make that happen. But you know, when this record came out for pre-release or for pre-order, um, people were super excited about it because there was news our face music nobody really knew about but then there were these two tracks with um depending who you talk to frankie pulitzer or face puller and that ladies and gentlemen again as i referred to in the interview is very heavily rumored to be tom hardy and that's cool like you know what's cool do you realize that tom hardy is venom and bane and mad max (laughs) Yeah, and Mad Max. I mean, he's the big three. Like that's the cool. That's the and we're we're missing triple cool. He's something else too. I'm sure. I know. Well, he's he's tons of things, but yeah. I'm just saying those are three pivotal characters. Yeah, he's done some pretty. Like, he's done some pretty great stuff. I mean, Tom's pretty, pretty cool. So, um, so that was cool to be able to talk about that and and to see his reaction when he saw that cover. He was like, "Oh wow, that's cool." <laughs> but you know what? You just showed me the cover again, and yeah. I actually just had this reaction where I remember. You know, as a kid growing up, like my introduction to Venom was, you know, besides that one comic book that w- that was probably getting ruined, was um, the video games, the video right. games and the animated series and all this other like, you know, newer ways of showing the next generation like these characters and seeing Venom and Carnage, Venom and Carnage were the coolest characters ever. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, Spider-Man's awesome. You should see Venom and Carnage, you know? Yeah. Oh, like yeah, you couldn't yeah. think of, you couldn't think of Spider-Man without Venom and Carnage. So, you know, that little, uh, that little after credit scene in Venom was, uh, you know, very uh, encouraging towards the future, you could say. All right. So uh, listen, um, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat. And uh, yeah. as always, um, and next week we're going to be doing uh, something very special. 
Um, we won't tell you too much about it, but look to our socials because we got something special uh, next week planned for you, which is going to tie right into Christmas, right? Oh, yeah. Especially. Oh, yeah. I love I love it when shows do Christmas specials. I know, right? Uh, well, we're we're going to do it. We had a we had a great first 10 episodes, but this is just me and you doing something really cool about Christmas. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so I want to thank uh, my co-host, Ryan Stick, as always. Uh, I want to thank my producer, Julia Kajerski, who uh, keeps the ship afloat, and uh, all of you, and, uh, and of course, our guest, Todd McFarlane, for being on the show. We will see you next week on the Rockman Power Hour.